0: There will be no poppycock present today. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, love. Greetings from Brooklyn. We are home sweet home from our month in France. And today's episode is a little bit different format. Many of you sent in voice memos with questions, or I had done a Q&A in my IG stories, and there were all these questions that really fell into a few categories. So today and next week, I'm answering your questions on six topics in a two-part series starting today with how do you discover or narrow your passion? How do you get past fear to have confidence to pursue a new dream? And how do you start a business or a new life chapter? So today's episode is more specifically for entrepreneurs and about small business or side hustle and passion projects. And I know that on the surface, that doesn't apply to everyone listening, but there are definitely nuggets of inspiration for you here as well. And then next week, the advice truly is only applicable to entrepreneurs, but I'm going to release an additional mini episode on one of the mottos I try to bring into my marriage that I don't think Jeremy actually knows, but he will when he listens. So next week, there'll be something for everyone. So, question number one was all around narrowing or discovering your passion. Hi, Hillary. Uh, My question for you is about how you found your calling as a personal stylist. Uh, right now, I am trying to figure out my own career direction, and one of my main problems is I have interest in many things, but I'm not really sure which way to go and what to pursue. Other questions that came up on Instagram were were you ever unclear of what your passion was? How do you stick to one thing? From Justine. Brittany asked, how did you discover your life purpose? Mercy said, how can you know exactly what is meant for you to do and be filled with joy? And Arwen said, I'm good at a lot of things. How do I figure out which to do without wasting time on a lot of stuff? So I have a couple perspectives on this. One phrase that I like to use a lot is to ask yourself, what is going to make me the most money, the fastest, the easiest, while bringing me the most joy? Uh, Three of those questions were about money because that's the difference between a business and a hobby or a little side gig, a little passion project. Will it be profitable is a major part of the equation. And am I excited about it is equally important. Now, I want to say this is not the question I asked on day one. Personally, I wasn't choosing between businesses. When I look back, I was choosing between starting a business or going to graduate school and being a theater professor. For me, the idea of starting a business as a personal stylist came up through reading style blogs, having an organized closet, shopping on an actor's budget, taking an actor boyfriend shopping on a budget with $100 in one hour and putting together an outfit for him that he booked Gossip Girl in. So for me, I did know that this was the one idea that I had, and I wasn't torn between multiple things. I'll also say, though, when I first started out, I didn't feel like this is my life's work. This is my calling. This is my mission. I just started. I just started as a way to replace the miserable day jobs that I was doing, temping and catering and things that I loathed in between uh, auditions. And I did it to explore and consider another path, this idea of entrepreneurship as opposed to the career path that I had thought for as long as I could remember was going to be my life, getting an MFA and being a professor at a university. But this is more so the question that I asked when Not too long into running my business as a personal stylist, I started to teach classes on entrepreneurship because I was getting about 50% of my questions were, how do I start a business like yours? More so than specifically about style. And then over time, I started to focus. If you've been following Dean Street for a while, you'll notice we do much more. We have done much more on the entrepreneur side than on the style side. And that was because of coming back to this question. What will make me the most money, the easiest, the fastest, while bringing me the most joy? And that was twofold. It was pursuing entrepreneurship now is an easier space to be in. It's way easier for us to decide to invest in something that we see can can make more money for us. If you purchase my Instagram class, I'm going to make you back that much money and way more for your business. So it's an easier to help convince you to make that investment, the same is actually true on the style side. If you purchase my style and styleability, you will a hundred percent spend less on your closet and spend less money on clothes because of that investment. But it's a newer idea. The idea of thinking about personal development can be a harder sell. So it was the wiser financial decision, and was also something that brought me joy. I loved talking about business. My business had blessed me so much. I loved the idea of helping other people with that, but. Ultimately, my broadest vision is on the style side, but I know that it is much more challenging to make money selling a book at $30 a book, and um, that you aren't going to make money off of going on the Today Show or being in an article in Marie Claire magazine. Like, those things in and of themselves aren't going to make you money. So, I looked at the fact that I could pursue this one, not just revenue stream, but broader element of business by supporting entrepreneurs as a way to keep the business financially and fiscally growing to the point that then it could support us to go more into the style side. It also is the question that I asked when I stopped doing men's styling, uh, when I stopped doing wedding styling, when I didn't expand into gentlemen's branding. So when I say all of those things, there was multiple other ideas that I had When I first started my business or in the first few years of my business, I initially launched as a women's stylist, a men's stylist, and a wedding stylist. And ultimately, the wedding styling, no one even wanted for free. So obviously, that wasn't going to be something that made money uh, quickly, easily, or a large quantity of it. And ultimately, I had to decide between, I didn't have to, but I saw that if I pursued both men's and women's styling, I ultimately was running two businesses, two Twitter accounts, two blogs, two email newsletters. And ultimately, what I believed would make me more money, easier, faster, while bringing me more joy, was the women's side. So it did allow me to choose between those things, though I didn't do that until I had started. Um, I also thought about doing gentlemen's branding, fun fact, but um, I had done a ton of online dating, and seen a ton of horrible dating profiles. And I've just always had such a soft spot in my heart for what I call Sam's socially awkward men. And I just really wanted to help them. Every time I would see a horrible profile, I'd be like, I wish that I could just help you do this better. Like, take better photos of yourselves, self-describe yourself better with words. Like, this is this whole new realm of courtship that we've never had before. Is how do you use photos and words to woo someone that you used to just like meet at the county fair? And um, So I thought, like, okay, I could combine that with the styling. Like, I had this whole business um, idea. But I realized, again, that was really a whole other business in and of itself. It needed different branding. Instead of being the sweet girl next door, I needed to be, like, the female James Bond. like, And this whole other thing. And it was fun to daydream about that. But ultimately, when I came back to it, that's a way harder sell than women in style. And while it was fun to think about it doesn't light my heart up as much as the women's styling. So this isn't the question that I asked to simply begin, but it is the question that I asked and have asked over the years to narrow what I am pursuing and to pursue the right things along the way to make the bigger dream of having a profitable business, of making an impact somehow be the reality. Another way that I like to think about this comes from one of my favorite books, Essentialism, by Greg McCowan. I make all my students inside Elegant Excellence and our mastermind read this book. And he uh, asks these three questions. What do I feel deeply inspired by? What am I particularly talented at? And what meets a significant need in the world? So I'm deeply inspired, I am uniquely talented, and there's a need in the market. That is a question that I asked when deciding between two business courses at one time. I was going to, I was being asked by my audience to create a course on Periscope. Some of you may remember Periscope was an app that existed. It was kind of the first first live stream video app before there was Facebook Live and Instagram Live. There was Periscope. And I was being asked by a lot of people, this is going to sound weird just out loud, but who were like, you're the best person I follow on Periscope, Well, you like, Teach us your ways. Teach us how you're doing this. You're growing this big following. So that's what people were asking for. And then I also had this idea of elegant excellence, wanting to create something for fellow entrepreneurs of what I had been seeking. How can I do this in a more sustainable way? What is the work-life balance? I don't want to be a hustler, but I am ambitious. And so when I asked those three questions, I realized that I I was not deeply inspired by Periscope. It was a means to an end. And sometimes that can be a fine answer. It can be fine to say, this isn't my ultimate passion, but I have the wisdom to see where I'm going five or 10 years from now. And I understand this is going to be a stepping stone. So I'm willing to have the maturity and the wisdom and the patience to do this thing that isn't my deepest passion because my deepest passion is going to be built upon that foundation. So that would have been fine, but I didn't feel deeply inspired by Periscope. I did feel like my soul was craving what Elegant Excellence is, and that's why I had created it. And I had coached so many hundreds of other entrepreneurs that I knew were craving the same thing and it wasn't out there. Particularly talented at, yes, I have plenty to say on how to grow your social media, which is why we have this successful Instagram course that we've taught for years. Um, But there's other people that could go out there and teach Periscope, and they did. Meanwhile, there weren't other people teaching Elegant Excellence. And what I had learned about Elegant Excellence took me years to cultivate and grow and continues to. Whereas Periscope ultimately was the same principles that are in my Instagram class. It's just a different platform. And so instead, what I did, sneak peek, is I refilmed my Instagram course um, to simply cover, here's all the platforms, guys. Whatever new platform comes out, I'm teaching you how to do it. I'm teaching you what to look for rather than you got to come buy five different courses for me and we're going to do every single platform that's out there. Um, This also in hindsight, oh, and sorry, and does it meet a significant need in the world? I knew other people would come up and create Periscope courses. I knew that what myself and my students were craving over the years was elegant excellence and I didn't see that it was out there. So I was headed down the path of creating this Periscope course when I asked these three questions because I was reading essentialism on an airplane. I don't remember where I was going. And when I wrote that out, it became so clear to me, I should not be wasting my time on a Periscope course. Elegant excellence is what I want to do. And I am so grateful I made that decision because Periscope died. (laughs) And uh, meanwhile, our current social media class that covers everything, continues to thrive, and Elegant Excellence has become one of my missions that has led to a mastermind, and we're creating our journal and like this whole other area that I'm passionate about. In hindsight, those three questions also were why I stopped Create Providence. So I haven't really shared this full story on the podcast. I'll get to it someday. But a million years ago, I tried to start a nonprofit taking arts education to my friend's orphanage in Nigeria. And... Ultimately, that was a yes to all three of those questions. I was inspired by it. I was talented at it. It met a need. But it wasn't the number one thing that answered that question. Kind of similar to the Periscope and Elegant Excellence. Could I answer yes for all of those on Periscope? Mm Mm-hmm. But I can answer it more for Elegant Excellence. And ultimately, running this nonprofit, it answered those questions, but not as much as pursuing theater. It wasn't my number one thing. And I am so passionate, as you listen to me more and more, about doing less but better. So I think when we ask these questions, you don't want to come back with, well, I had four different things I wanted to do in my business, and I I answered yes to all of them. Okay, but if you had to choose, which one do you feel the most inspired by, the most uniquely talented at, and feel meets the greatest need in the world? The other component of this, how did I discover my passion? I just started. I failed the nonprofit, for example. I started again, a new business with three revenue streams, women's, men's, and wedding styling. Two of those failed. Just start. And I asked myself these questions. You know the answer to these. You just aren't doing enough work to get there, to to honestly get to the answer. You're staying in I don't know, I'm not sure, I'm afraid to choose, but I believe that you do know the answer and you are the only one that does. I also want to acknowledge here that the question, or the five questions rather, that y'all asked was not, how do I do a market analysis to know if my business will be profitable, have strong enough margins, is there enough market demand? That's not what you asked, and it also is not my story of how I started. I wasn't approaching this from a Harvard MBA perspective of making a tactical decision. Your questions were, how do I find my purpose, my passion, my mission, my joy? I do have some more specifics on this, some more detailed niche questions that you can ask, but I don't think it applies to everyone. So I created some worksheets for this episode. I don't normally do that, but if you really do want to think through what you want to do or grow or start, if you want more clarity on your next steps after listening today, you can find that at hillaryrushford.com slash pod VIP. I As I said, you just have to ask and answer the right questions, and those are what I put into those worksheets. So it's more like we're doing a one-on-one coaching session over coffee if these really are the questions that are weighing on you. One more question that kind of falls under this, how do I decide what it is that I'm going to do? Hannah had asked, do you think there's still space in the market for creating and running online courses? Yes. I've been thinking about this for the last few days uh, since I started working on this episode. And when it comes to choosing a business, anything and everything can work. That is what I believe. I don't believe when I look at friends that have tried and quote unquote failed at businesses, including myself, it was not that the business was wrong. It was maybe just not the right time, or you weren't the right person, or you didn't go about it in the right way, or something, you know, came up that tripped you up. But I don't believe that there is a wrong choice or that you making the wrong choice doesn't teach you the thing that leads to the right choice. So when it comes to this specific area of, okay, but what about online courses? I just created a new online course this summer. I mean, kind of, like, Different but the same. It was our mastermind. It had a different format and so different elements. But by and large, I am using the internet to teach a group of people. It is not in person. It is not a a tangible book that I mail you. I just created that this summer. My sister in law just created one this spring and it was a great added stream to her essential oils business. So I just want to acknowledge that as well as this final point in choosing what it is that we want to do is how often we come from a place of fear and scarcity around can that even be done? Am I choosing the right thing or the wrong thing? And I want to leave this little section on that note of the more that I've thought about it over the last few days, I don't think there is a right or a wrong. There is a better or a worse for you. And that is ultimately what's most important. So number two is fear or confidence. Gwendolyn asked, how did you overcome the fear of pursuing your dream or career? Ellie said, I've been in the same entry-level job for eight years, and I do not believe, periods after every word, I do not believe I'm capable of anything more. And Courtney said, confidence. How do you have so much confidence? So number one, I think maybe it's a little bit in my DNA. I auditioned for things as a kid. I did the school talent show. Just little things that do show risk um, that you might look back and realize I never put myself out there. This is always something I'm struggled with. Or you might look back and say, actually, yeah, I mean, I do have more confidence in that. I was willing to try out for the soccer team when I wasn't sure that I was going to make it and join the cross country team when I had never run before. Yes, I have had confidence, but I wasn't the most confident girl as a human, like in high school or college. I wasn't like, I'm so pretty. All the boys like me. I'm popular. I'm the smartest one in the class. Like I, I, in a lot of ways, I could look back and say I wasn't a particularly confident human, but I think that oftentimes we can just give ourselves some blanket diagnosis like that like well i never thought i was going to be on the homecoming court or something yeah i wasn't a super confident person but actually look back and see yeah but did i take risks was i willing to go on a first date did i apply for big colleges was i did i have those elements of yeah actually i did have enough confidence to take some little risks i think ultimately we just have to want it badly enough. I knew that I wanted to perform, so I was willing to take the risk in elementary school, middle school, high school, college of auditioning and not getting it. And I didn't always get it, or I didn't always get the lead. I ran, guys, I ran for student government in elementary school, in middle school, in high school, and within my sorority in college. I was never elected. The girl who has 200,000 something Instagram followers who you might be looking at being like, but she's so popular and people just naturally like her. Like, guys, (laughs) I was never elected, but there is something in me like I know that I'm a leader. I know that I am organized. And so, gosh darn it, you are not going to elect me in elementary school, middle school, high school, or college. Well, you know what? I'm going to go build a multi-million dollar business that I am the CEO of that no one had to vote on. Thank you very much. Like, You can look back at, man, look at all those failures, or you can look back at, what does that say about me? It says that I wanted to, to be a leader and that I wasn't the most popular girl in the way that it mattered in those cases. But ultimately, building a multimillion dollar business isn't based on popularity. It's based on the the wisdom and the organization and the good ideas that is what I wanted to get into, you know school politics for in the first place. So we have to want something badly enough that we are willing to go on a first date. I one of my uh, team members just we do a personal and professional win on our uh, weekly team calls, and she just shared that her win was she went on a date. She'd been in a long-term relationship that ended, and this was her first date. And she's like, it wasn't great, but I feel like it's just about getting back out there, right? Like, yes, it is. You want love badly enough that you're willing to put yourself out there. You're willing to go through labor because you want the baby badly enough. So I talked about this in the episode on uh, daring to dream big, even though you might be disappointed, that I think you can choose to be the kind of person who dreams and takes risk. And the other element of that, you know, as I said, I wasn't always the most confident. And I even can see that in my business, that there was way more scarcity and insecurity my first few years or more in business. Like if I got a negative comment on Instagram, if I got a negative email, I was a wreck for a day. Like, It would just, I would be in tears. I would be so upset. Then I went to, I was a wreck for a few hours. Then it became, I was really riled up about it for an hour. Now I literally, and I can say this because it's happened a couple times over the last few months. I'm like, (laughs) nah, like it truly does not faze me, but it was not always like that. And I think that that comes from two things. One, I did the work on the inside, kind of what Elegant Excellence, my journey in that is all about, the um, the mental and emotional health. I did a lot of growing in that way to become someone that was less anxious, did have better perspective, does have more control over my thoughts. And I did the work on the outside, meaning experience. I think some people probably just are just have a lot of spot and just think that, gosh darn it, they can do anything. I don't think that's most people. That's much more rare. I think most of us, the way that we have confidence, if you see me today as someone who has confidence, it's because I've been in business for eight years. I've done the work and now I know that one negative comment or one negative email, I, I, I do great work in the world. People love what I put out there. That's actually not about me. You're just having a bad day like, no worries. I can see that. But in the beginning, when everything's so raw and you're a new parent of this business, you're like, oh, my gosh, someone doesn't like me. I have negative feedback. Like, it feels so incredibly raw. But now I have enough authentic confidence because I have the experience to be like, what else? take a chill pill, not about me. <laughs> Question number three was how to start. I don't know if it's the depression or just that I'm a chicken. But I am terrified. I haven't finished your course because I don't know where to start. I have many talents. I want to be out there and create a business that gives me pleasure and joy and and all those things. But I don't know where to start. Erica asked, I'm always looking for ways to build my sphere and market myself. Where do I start? Stephanie said, how did you start building clientele as a stylist? What were the first things you did? And Emily asked, do you have any professional training in fashion or design? So the way that I started and the way I think most people should start is beta clients or MVP, your minimum viable product. I think you have to try to see if something is going to work. Before you buy a thousand candles hoping you can sell them, how can you do a minimum viable product and make 10 or 100 and see if it takes off? Before you build an entire website and film a whole course, start off by doing free sessions with people that you already know to offer your service and see what their experience is, see how you feel about it, and then let build from there. You start with one candle or three candle options not 20 but i think we start small to test and validate our idea and the way that i did that as a stylist was using my real life friends and my facebook friends i'm not really on facebook now but i was then so um you start with your sphere you don't worry about building up an audience you just start with who is in your world some of my earliest style clients were people that were nowhere on my radar simply because I was sharing it on Facebook. I heard from some girl I did a freelance gig with one time, a guy I went to high school with. I mean, people just came out of the woodwork. People did not even remember that I was friends with on Facebook and would never have thought to reach out to and be like, hey, Steve, by any chance are you looking for a personal stylist? Guy I haven't talked to in a decade. But there comes Steve seeing what I'm offering and being like, hey, could I hire you to come over and do this? So. Start small and start with the people that are in your world. And Mirna, choose. Go through the uh, the PDF that accompanies this uh, episode. Everything I said in step number one, make a choice and just start. And then you'll learn as you go. You'll fail as you go. Remember the failures that I stated above. I did have another business in essence that failed. I had this nonprofit. I had three arms of my business and two of them ultimately failed. But remember that I had no following. I had no connections. I think there are that is a really important thing to find those stories that are similar to yours. It is really easy to look at, okay, well, that girl had it easier because her husband was a vice president of this big company, and so she had a ton of money. Or, well, of course, that girl's blog took off when she started it because she was already in the fashion world, so she got all of this press because she had worked for Teen Vogue, and that's, like, where all of her connections were. I had none of that. I had no friends that were doing this. I had I had spent zero time in the style world, the blogging world, the online world. I I probably had a, an Instagram account only because I was using it to like filter photos. Literally not even growing a following on Instagram. I would just filter the photos on Instagram, export them, and then post them over on Facebook. I had, I don't know, whatever the normal amount of followers is on Facebook, like people you went to high school and college with. Um, I don't think I was on Twitter. I mean, guys, there really was nothing. I didn't have a big savings account. I didn't have some spouse that was supporting me. Um, and I also wasn't first in the market. I think that's something that I I was really able to focus on of sort of a jealousy of other people. We'll see that worked for them because they were one of the early bloggers. So they just got in when it was really taking off. They were one of the first people on on Facebook. Like there are some people that I've seen in my life or people that I look up to that they were at the right place at the right time just as the wave was taking off. That was not the case for me. <laughs> I was not the first one on Instagram. I was not the first one on blogging. I definitely came in in the middle of the pack when, you know, in the same place that you would be today. Um, and back to the the fear component that we talked about in uh, in number two, listen to all of the podcast episodes so far. Maybe not all of them fly. We've talked about dating. We've talked about... Um, friendship, but in a lot of the podcast episodes, we have talked about the concept of you have to want the outcome enough to risk it. You, There is no guarantee and it is going to be uncomfortable. It is going to be uncertain. You are going to walk through territory you have not walked through before. There is no perfect business plan or birth plan or first date plan. There's certain areas of life where we're just more accustomed to this because everyone does it. Not everyone, but the uh, the majority of humans procreate. The majority of humans have gone on dates. So because we look around at that, we can kind of downplay the reality that that is us knowing that there isn't a plan, but saying that we want something and therefore going for it. But because not everyone chooses business or has some crazy dream to pursue, it can feel like it is this new skill set. But look for those areas in your life when you actually were willing to move to the city or go away to college or quit your day job, change careers, whatever it was. You have exhibited the confidence and the courage to start something new. I want to start a romantic relationship. So I'm going to start by going on a date. I want to start a marriage. So I am going to be a newlywed for the first time, knowing that it is not always going to be perfect and there isn't some perfect way to do it. All right, love. Next week, I'll answer three more categories of questions. How do you have or make money to start a business? How do you stand out enough? What makes you unique? And how do you grow your business? Plus, I have that mini bonus episode on one of my marriage mottos. But for today, I hope this inspires you to just start, whatever it is you're dreaming about. And if you want some free journal prompts, like I mentioned, swipe up and find those at hilaryrushfordcom slash pod VIP. For Jeremy lately, his new start has been learning photography, which was so fun while we were traveling. So whatever it is that brings you joy, I hope you'll take the leap and start. I'll see you next week with Grace and Gumption. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. PS, something I'm loving lately is a news podcast by the New York Times called The Daily. Since you obviously are a podcast listener, I thought it's something that I might mention to you. I have been struggling with the news the last couple of years. Um I feel like there is so much sadness and negativity, but I don't like living totally in the dark. And so by listening to this podcast, I have learned about so many topics that I would not have otherwise. I find that when I traditionally go to my news app, I just feel bummed (laughs) because of of the sad stories that are there. And when I listen to this, I feel encouraged and inspired and edified in whatever variety of topics there were. A fair amount are about American politics, which as someone who used to love politics, Generation West Wing, I lately just find depressing, but a new episode comes out every day, so you can listen to ones that are more about the world or more niche topics like healthcare and Hollywood. So if you want something to talk about at a cocktail party, or feel like you're more educated about something in the world, give it a listen. If you hate it, forget I said anything, but if you like it, you're welcome, in advance. Oh, goodness, that's not all. Tell him one more thing, Hillary. TPS, if you're a fellow entrepreneur, I want to let you know, not only have I left you the four-part series on my biggest mistakes, lessons, and resources behind the scenes in marketing, operations, finance, and leadership over the last eight years, which you can find at hillaryrushford.com slash tech or swipe up for the link. There are lots of really vulnerable stories that I'm sharing in there that I have not before. But this week, I'm adding something else in addition and hosting an encore of my most popular double your Instagram following workshop, which was newly updated this spring and only a small group of folks have gotten to attend so far. So I'm offering it for a few days only at hillaryrushford.com free because I don't know about you, but come the end of August, playing on Instagram and getting creative in my marketing and what I'm producing in the world and daydreaming about my audience and how I can use photo and video and color and storytelling to better connect. That is exactly the kind of quote unquote work that I want to be doing by the pool as I soak up every last minute of summer. So therefore, I wanted to offer it to you right now in hopes that you might be able to get some quote unquote work done for your business while still enjoying the last of your summer. So swipe up for the link and join us there. Until next Wednesday.